Welcome to the Steady Hand Podcast. I'm Scott Ronalds, joined as usual with Tom Bradley. In today's session, we're going to discuss the first quarter of 2011. Tom, over to you for some general comments on the quarter. Well, Scott, maybe I'll make just a few general comments first. You know, it's been two years since the market bottomed after the financial crisis. March of 2009 was when the, the stock market certainly started to take off. And this recent quarter has just been really a continuation of the previous seven quarters since that bottom. Lots of bad news, some crisis around the world, indeed the earthquake and tsunami in Japan. But at the end of the day, pretty good returns for clients. The Canadian market was once again near the top of the pack. It was up about 5%. And uh, even in Europe, which uh, had lots of negative sentiment around it and some bad news, many of those stocks in that region performed well. Now, the bond market, on the other hand, lost some of its luster. It was down 0.3% if you look at the overall bond market during the quarter. And, uh, you know, I think this is something as investors we have to expect. Yields are very low now in the 3 to 3.5% range. And so, when we have a period where rates move up a little bit, there isn't enough of a cushion from that yield to, uh, to, to bring in positive returns. So that's something we'll see from time to time over the next number of years. Overall, Scotty, our clients with balanced asset mixes fared pretty well in the quarter. They had returns in sort of the 25 to 3% range, depending on their mix. So that's a little bit of an overview. Scott, do you want to lead off with some details on uh, the income fund? Well, Tom, as you indicated, the bond market was down, dropped uh, 0.3%, based largely on weak performance in government bonds. The income fund, on the other hand, was up 2.2% in the quarter. Now, the manager, Connor Clark and Lund, continues to hold very little in Canadian federal bonds, or Canada's as we call them. Only about 4% of the portfolio is invested in those securities. They're seeing much greater value in provincial bonds, where yields are as much as three quarters of a percent higher. And that's a very large spread based on historic terms. The trade-off with provincials is they have less liquidity, meaning they're harder to buy and sell than federal government bonds, but CCNL is comfortable with this. Now, corporate spreads, the difference in yield between corporate and government bonds, continue to be wide relative to historic levels, and CCNL feels the spreads will continue to tighten, and this is positive for bond prices, uh, as you know, as, as yields fall, prices rise. Now, CCNL is finding some attractive opportunities in the corporate sector. One of the names we highlight in the report is Cameco, a Canadian uranium producer, where they feel investors overreacted to all the negative sentiment towards uranium in the quarter. And corporates as a whole make up about 40% of the portfolio now. Dividend-paying stocks continue to attract interest as corporate earnings have been strong and dividends have been rising. The fund's package of income equities has performed well, CCNL's focus is on companies that are leaders in growing their dividend. They continue to like the prospects for the banks. TD Bank and Royal Bank are their two top holdings in the sector, as well as real estate securities. And as we've highlighted in the past, they like uh, apartment real estate REITs. The weighting of trusts and stocks was increased modestly in the quarter, and these securities now make up about 30% of the portfolio. Now, the manager's outlook for bonds is mixed. They're very light on Canada's, and they don't see a lot of opportunity there. But they are finding reasonable value in corporates. And they're confident that the portfolio will continue to generate a steady stream of income, given its emphasis on these corporate bonds and stocks with growing dividends. Tom, over to you for the equity fund. The fund had a good start to the year, gaining 4.9% in this first three months. 
But more importantly, its holdings have been performing well from an operational standpoint. They continue to post strong earnings and kick off lots of cash flow. A few examples might include TD Bank and Oracle, which increased their dividend in the quarter, or Cisco that announced its first ever dividend. You know, clearly dividends and and particularly growing dividends is an emphasis for CGOV, the manager of the fund, and uh, we just think dividends are reflective of strong financial positions and a good outlook. Few changes were made this quarter, uh, just a few sort of trims and ads, no nothing new. A couple of the stronger performers were trimmed back, Home Capital Group and Payson, while some of the laggards were topped up, specifically Unilever and Novartis. Now, you should expect to see this type of activity every quarter. You know, markets are much more volatile than the underlying fundamentals of the companies that make up the market. So if operations are tracking approximately in the right direction and a stock is up a bunch, might be a chance to, to trim back a little and vice versa. You know, most of the holdings in the portfolio, Scott, have done well, but uh, there were some exceptions, notably Cisco and Research in Motion, or RIM. Both stocks have performed really well as far as delivering the profits, but have been weighed down by more cloudy outlooks and just a general negative sentiment about them. But I know CGOV feels that the underlying businesses are not broken and that the stocks are really exceptionally cheap. So these are the kinds of opportunities I know I look for, and and CGOV looks for really good, high-quality companies where the sentiment's negative, maybe there's a few warts on them, They can often find some really good uh, opportunities there. Now, I think investors in the fund should feel confident that the portfolio is in good position. It's got a very diverse mix of businesses, certainly more than the resource-laden TSX that we're so used to looking at. And a bulk of its holdings are leading businesses with very strong financials. Scott, how about the Global Equity Fund? Well, global markets, as you mentioned, Tom, were faced with a number of headwinds in the quarter. There was all the political unrest and the revolutionary activity in North Africa and the Middle East. Of course, the earthquake and tsunami in Japan and those lingering sovereign debt issues in Europe. But global markets, on balance, did push forward in the quarter. The fund gained modest ground over the past three months. It was up 1%, but it has lagged the market over the past year. While many investors have been focusing on the commodities and China stories, Edinburgh Partners is weary of valuations around these themes. They believe there are attractive opportunities in Europe and Japan, two regions that have been saddled with negative headlines. They're finding value in companies that have taken some lumps to restructure, but are improving margins and expanding their reach in emerging markets. Examples here include Unilever, Heineken, Bridgestone, and Yamaha. As for Japan, we've reported in detail Edinburgh's Edinburgh Partners' thesis on Japanese stocks in recent quarters. And despite the recent tragedy to strike the country, they feel their holdings as earnings will not take a material hit over a five-year forecast horizon, which is what they focus on in their analysis. In fact, they believe Japanese stocks offer some of the best value to investors today. And following the quake, they purchased additional shares in Panasonic, and they initiated a new position in Ricoh. A positive sign for the fund has been the improved fundamentals of several of the turnaround opportunities the manager has invested in. A number of these holdings in Europe and the U.S. are turning in strong operating results, which is a good first step toward value being recognized. And while this fund has been the laggard in our lineup, it offers some of the best potential going forward. Global stocks in general have lagged Canadian stocks, 
and compelling valuations can be found in companies outside the resource sectors. Scott, I might just add that uh, the other element of the Global Equity Fund and opportunity is our strong dollar. The buying power in foreign lands is much better than it was uh, a, f- a month or two ago or and years ago. So um, it's something we all think of taking advantage of when we go south of the border to make some purchases, but don't often do in our portfolios. As for the small cap portfolio, a little bit of a change of pace in, in the small cap arena this time. Gold and base metals, which have really just been the overwhelming drivers in, in performance in small caps, uh, cooled off this quarter. But uh, some of the other commodity areas continued to push the small cap market higher, specifically forestry and oil, gas, oil and gas stocks. And we also got some help from technology and financial-related stocks. Now, it's a theme that sounds repetitive, I know, but the portfolio's holdings have been performing well from an operating point of view. Revenue growth has been strong, and profitability has been on the rise. The fund's oil and gas holdings in particular have been delivering on all fronts. Although that said, the manager, Will Witherich, made a few changes in this part of the portfolio as a couple of the stocks had appreciated substantially, and we expand on that in the report. Now, Will remains skeptical in the mining sector and isn't willing to chase resources at any price. You know, many of the stocks here have risen tremendously, and we've talked about this in past podcasts, but Will feels that the money rushing into the sector today has little regard for price. Now, he provides a little more in-depth on that sector and other parts of the portfolio on a podcast that we published just a couple of weeks ago. We encourage you to listen to that. The small cap portfolio has been hot, and a couple of the portfolio's holdings have gotten slightly ahead of their fundamentals due to sharp gains, and they've been trimmed back as a result. Other holdings outside of the energy sector, however, have seen little appreciation despite their strong operating results. So in other words, while the fund has advanced steadily over the last two years, it is by no means expensive when we look at it as a whole. We'd also argue that it's much less speculative than other small-cap portfolios that are very dependent and indeed biased towards mining and base metal stocks. So that's it for the specifics on the funds, and maybe just I'll make a couple of closing comments. You know, where we started this podcast was talking about the wonderful returns we've had over the last two years, and our balanced portfolios have earned roughly 18% per year since the bottom two years ago. We think now is the time for a little more caution, however. We don't want to see our clients get carried away with these rising markets because we are facing some headwinds. You know, the potential for higher interest rates is going to weigh on market returns. We've still got way too much debt out there. And valuations on stocks and bonds are no longer as cheap as they were. But having said that, we think steady hand clients are well positioned. You know, as we've suggested to many of you, It's a time, we think, to own a little bit of cash, and many of you have made that shift. We also can see that our fund managers are very cautiously positioned. So, as always, we're trying to find that right balance between reward and risk. So that's it for this first quarter review. I thank you for listening, and I encourage you to listen to future Steady Hand podcasts.